All right. So we are making our way through Unit 2 of Parables of Jesus. And Unit 2 is the Kingdom of Heaven. This is Matthew 13. And we've talked about how all of these parables are in one setting, one context. Jesus is in a boat. The crowd is on the shore. There's a natural amphitheater going on so that everyone can hear his voice. And he's telling these parables to the crowds. So what we're up to is the parable of the weeds, or yours might be called the parable of the wheat and the tares, right? So it it has different names depending on what translation you're using. But what I want to emphasize to you is that there is no break in context. This is not a different day. This is not a different setting. Jesus is still in the boat. He's talking to the same people. So let's set this up. We just went through in the last class the parable of the soils. So Jesus told the parable in parable form, and then his disciples asked, why do you speak in parables? And we covered that in unit one, where Jesus answered by responding with Isaiah 6, and Matthew also incorporated Psalm 78. So he gave the explanation for why he's speaking in parables. Then Jesus proceeded to explain the parable of the soils. So he gave the explanation for the parable of the soils. And he did that. The crowd may have heard him. He may have been sharing that with his disciples who were like in the boat with him. I'm not exactly sure. But Jesus did say, I believe it's in the Luke version of the this the parable of the soils. He said, if you don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand any of the parables? So he was more open with the explanation for that parable than he was with the explanations for any other parable. Most of the time, if there's an explanation, he's speaking to his disciples privately. And this parable of the weeds or the wheat and tares is an example of that. So Jesus, there's no break in context. He goes through the explanation of the parable of the soils, and he goes right into telling the parable in parable form, the parable of the weeds. And we'll talk about this in a second, but he didn't explain the parable of the weeds, which he does explain it to them, but he doesn't explain it to them until after he has left the crowds and they are in a house. So Jesus doesn't just give the full explanation for everybody. Remember, he's telling parables to outsiders so they don't necessarily understand, but to insiders, he's revealing everything. He's explaining everything. So let's jump in and take a look at the parable of the weeds. This is Matthew 13, starting with verse 24. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore again, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. 
And so, as I said, the, this parable is explained, but it's explained after Jesus tells the parable of the mustard seed and the leaven to all of the crowds. We'll cover them in a little bit. But after he's telling those to the crowd, but then he departs from the multitude and then privately he explains this parable. So we're jumping down. That ended with Matthew 13, verse 30. We're jumping now to Matthew 13, verse 36. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. So you see, he's in a private setting now. And his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is at the end of the age. The reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let them hear. Hallelujah. All right, so this time, the good seed, so we're switching seed, the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. Those are the righteous ones, the righteous ones who will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father, the righteous ones, the holy ones. If you know your Old Testament or the Hebrew, the kedoshim, the holy ones, right? But Jesus also said that the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. That's the way that he would refer to himself. So it's the the ones who believe Jesus and are led by the seed he's planting of the Holy Spirit. Those are the ones who are the good seed. He's planting the good seed, and the good seed transforms us into the righteous and holy ones. Okay, the bad seed, those are the sons of the evil one. Unbelievers, the unrighteous, the wicked, the heathens, those who are still slaves to sin. That includes everyone in the whole world, no matter how civilized they may seem to appear on the outside, no matter what a great lifestyle they seem to have. If they don't believe Jesus, if the Holy Spirit has not come into their heart to penetrate and draw them into the obedience of faith, they are still sons of the devil, sons of the evil one. If you want to know more about that, take a look at the book of 1 John. He's very blunt about it. This is how we know the sons of God versus the sons of the evil one. Anyone who continues in sin is still a son of the evil one. The one who sows the bad seed is the devil who is constantly enticing mankind into rebellion against God through deception and discord. So since the fall of Adam and Eve, God said that there would be enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent, who is the evil one. Ultimately, it was promised that the seed of the woman was going to crush the head of the evil one. Now, the seed of the evil one, the seed of the serpent, doesn't mean little baby snakes slithering around. Although I wouldn't be a real big fan of that. I've got to be with Eve on that one. There's enmity between me and snakes, okay? I don't like them. But it's not talking about the seed of snakes, the babies of snakes. It's talking about people. 
People who behave like the evil one, who is an adversary of God, disobedient to him, rebellious against him, and constantly enticing other people into disobedience, rebellion, violence, wickedness, evil against God, right? Those are the ones who are the sons of the devil. Now, John the Baptist, he said that the axe was at the root of the tree, ready to chop it down. Well, where does that come from? Tying the pieces together. Remember from the last class, we talked about Matthew 12. Jesus said you have to make the tree good. The tree was not producing good fruit. John the Baptist, he was expecting the imminent arrival of the Messiah and that the Messiah was ready to judge the whole world. He was ready to chop it down for not bearing good fruit of righteousness. The people who were expecting to be found righteous because they were natural descendants of Abraham, meaning the Jewish people and Israel, they instead were proving to be a brood of vipers. Those are John's words. So he's saying, you're not the sons of God. You're the sons of the serpent. You see how all of these pieces start to fit together. The good seed versus the bad seed. John the Baptist said, you're a brood of vipers. You're behaving like the evil one, the adversary of God. And he said, the Messiah is coming. He's going to baptize people with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's going to winnow the wheat from the chaff and burn it with fire. Now, I know that that expression, baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire, is used in some circles of the church to talk about the fire of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's that's nice, okay? I understand when when you're, when the Lord is really moving in power, you can f- feel a heat in your body. When the, the power of God is moving, you can feel a heat in your hands or a heat in different places. That can be the fire of God. Don't get me wrong. I understand that that's real, but that's not what God is talking about in this passage of Scripture. That's not what John the Baptist was talking about. How do I know? Because John went immediately into language about judgment. He's going to winnow the wheat from the tare. He's going to separate the wheat from the weeds. What is this parable that we're looking at now? The wheat and the tare, the wheat and the weeds. Jesus is addressing the same thing that John the Baptist talked about, but he talked about it in an entirely different way. John the Baptist was expecting it imminently. He thought the Messiah was going to come and kick some butt. John the Baptist thought that the Messiah was coming immediately and imminently to judge and cast people into the eternal fire. This is what he said, Luke 3, starting with verse 16. John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. Now, why is that good news? Okay, the Messiah is coming to light this world on fire and cast all of the the tear into the fire. The reason it's good news is because John's message was repent. If you are one who will repent and become the good seed, if you will become the righteous, the holy ones, if you will allow God to transform your life so that you can be the good seed that is sown by the Son of Man, then there's good news for you. You won't be subject to the fire. You won't be in the wrath of God. That's great news. So you read this passage and it looks like doom and gloom. And and John, you know, if John were preaching today, he would probably be cast out of the church as a doom 
doom and gloom preacher, but the Word of God says that he was preaching good news. It's good news, people. The opportunity to repent is great news. So here's the deal. Jesus came the first time, yes, to baptize us with the Holy Spirit, to give us the Holy Spirit, the seed of the Word of God, the seed of God, to put Jesus Christ, the Spirit of Christ, within us, the Spirit of adoption that cries out, Abba, Father, that regenerates us, transforms us into children of God, that writes the commands of God upon our hearts according to the promise of the new covenant in Jeremiah 31, 31. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that the axe leaves the root of the tree because the tree stops being bad and starts being good. The tree starts to become righteous and holy and produce good fruit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has written the commands of God upon our heart and we submit ourselves in obedience to them. But Jesus is returning to baptize the world with unquenchable fire and judge all unrighteousness, all causes of sin, all causes of lawlessness, all sinners, all lawless ones. He is coming to judge and avenge. So here's what's different between John the Baptist talking about separating the wheat from the tare and what Jesus is saying in this parable is that the harvest is not until the end of the age. And even though John thought the end of the age was imminent, Jesus is saying, nope, it's not yet. The end of the age is a time that is yet to come. And the reapers will be the angels. First, they will gather the weeds for burning, and then the righteous will be gathered into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. All right, so let's go through our recap. What's the point, the parable point? So in contrast to the expectation that the kingdom of God was going to come and uproot and overthrow all the weeds, which means all the unrighteous, all the wicked, and in the Jewish mindset, it would be all the Gentile nations, the harvest is yet to come at the end of the age. But until then, the wheat and the weeds both grow together. They both grow to maturity. Evil will become mature. It will become fully developed. The wickedness, the lawlessness, the darkness in this world will become pervasive and grow in its depth and its magnitude and its wickedness. But the wheat will also grow to maturity toward the end of the age. And if you've ever looked at the wheat and weeds side by side, it's very difficult to tell which is which. The only way you can tell which is which is that one has something edible inside of it and the other has only a hard outer shell and nothing that is good or fruitful or edible by any animal or human to consume and be nourished by it. So Jesus, again, looking at this from the perspective of what Jesus is doing, Jesus is explaining to the people that are listening that he did not come yet to judge the wicked. So some of the people, like you consider, he's out there healing the sick, he's casting out demons. These are the very people that in a Jewish mindset, they were cursed by God, they were smitten by God, they were the wicked ones, they were unrighteous, they were probably sick because of their sin, they were demon-possessed, so they were evil, so they should be avoided. So in the expectation of Messiah, those are the people that they would think the Messiah was coming to burn up with unquenchable fire. But instead, Jesus came and he was showing mercy to them because he's trying to explain through this parable, no, 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 I didn't come this time to do that. 
that is at the end of the age. Don't don't get me wrong. The day of judgment will come. And at that time, the wheat and the tares will be winnowed and separated. Everything will be exposed. But he's continuing to explain in context that the first time he's here, he's talking about what he's doing. He is here to make the tree good. He's trying to make the tree good so it doesn't have to be chopped down in the judgment. The mercy of God is being extended to people so they don't have to go through the judgment that is yet to come. This is the good news. This is marvelous, amazing news. The kindness of God, who probably should have judged the world all those years ago, but instead he gave his son as an offering and a propitiation for our sins so that we wouldn't have to be judged and cast out into unquenchable fire. What a wonderful, merciful God we serve. So let's look at the further considerations for this parable as well. Jesus does not negate the fact that the day of judgment is coming. He doesn't say, no, 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 that's not God. God's not mean like that. God's just love, 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 love so much. No, Jesus doesn't say that. No, he's absolutely affirming that the day of judgment is coming. Jesus actually says in another part, Luke 12, 49, we're going to talk about that in a later unit. He says, hey, I wish the fire were already kindled. I, I want to I came to set fire to the earth and I wish it were already kindled. The day of judgment is something that God longs for. Why? Because he hates sin. He hates unrighteousness, but he loves people. And people do unrighteous things. God longs to dwell with people, and that's what he designed in Eden, and that's what he will restore if you've read the end of the book of Revelation. But God can't dwell with people where there's sin and, and evil and wickedness. And so the day of judgment is coming where all causes of sin, all lawlessness, all lawbreakers, all sinners, all the unrighteous will be removed. But first, he came to proclaim salvation for all who will receive that seed, like we talked about in the first parable, into the soil of their heart and allow themselves to be transformed. Remember, Jesus told this parable and or explained this parable after he told the parable of the mustard seed and the leaven. Those are small things. They start off small, but they spread throughout. They permeate. They grow over time. And so, so he came to proclaim salvation to just the few who would hear and believe, but those ones would spread and spread and spread and spread. And we know that 2,000 years have gone by now since Jesus came to plant that initial seed of the kingdom, and it has spread and it is continuing to spread. But until it is proclaimed to all the nations of the world, that's how much God loves all people. Until it is spread to all the nations of the world, Jesus will not come back to judge the world by fire. So again, putting the pieces together, the Jews thought that they had it made because they were the chosen people of God. But Jesus is opening it up. He's taking it all the way back to the very beginning. Are you the seed of the woman? Are you the seed of the serpent? Are you the seed of God? Only by believing Jesus and having the Holy Spirit come into your heart do you become a child of God. Only those who believe Jesus and receive him have the right to be become a child of God. That's John 1, 12. And only those who are led by the Holy Spirit prove themselves to be the children of God, who are regenerated and transformed into obedience. That's from Romans 8, uh, 15. Hallelujah. So for now, 
until Jesus comes back to judge. It is not the place of God's people to judge or condemn the disobedient. We are not the reapers for judgment. That's the angels who will do that. Unless you're an angel, it's not your job. So don't be doing that. Your job is to go and show mercy the same way that Jesus did. The very people that you think, oh, they're so evil, they're so wicked, they're going to get burned up in the unquenchable fire. Well, that's an evil and wicked heart, just like the people that Jesus is rebuking by telling this parable to. No, those are the very people that Jesus wants to show mercy to so that they are not burned up with unquenchable fire. Actually, if you're in the, the thinking of John the Baptist, it's the very Pharisees who are condemning the people that Jesus is showing mercy to. Those are the ones who will be cast out. Those are the ones who are not producing good fruit for the kingdom of God. Jesus always has mercy on the ignorant, but the religious and the arrogant, there's no mercy for that. And if you want to learn more about that, you got to take the class, uh, Humble Yourself, The Way to Greatness. We go on about that extensively. You can learn how absolutely vile and hideous arrogance is in the sight of God. Instead, we grow as wheat in the midst of the weeds. Are you ready to be wheat in the midst of weeds? Even if everyone around you is a weed, will you continue to be wheat? Will you continue to be wheat? And that wheat means that you will not only not engage in the behavior that the weeds are doing, but you will also show mercy and compassion to them the way that Jesus did. So we should not think that the wheat is going to displace or take over the weeds until they are removed at the end of the age by the reapers. I know there are gospels out there today that are proclaiming our job is to take over the world for Jesus and take over the mountains of this world for Jesus. That is not the gospel. And this parable is absolute proof of that. We should not think that the wheat is going to displace or take over the weeds. Jesus is saying, nope, the weeds and the wheat are going to grow side by side until the weeds are removed by the reapers who are the angels assigned to that task. And on a separate note, for those of you who hold to a pre-tribulation rapture theology, which I do not, um, I would challenge you with this parable. In this parable of Jesus, the simplicity of this parable, in contrast to the absolute complexity of pre-tribulation rapture theology, the simplicity of this parable and the very words of Jesus clearly state that the weeds are going to be gathered first. So if you have in your mind that the wheat is going to be raptured out while the weeds remain, that is in sharp contrast to the words of Jesus that the weeds are going to be gathered first and burned, and then the wheat will be gathered after that. So I'm not trying to open up a whole argument about that. If you know me, you know I do not hold to a pre-tribulation rapture theology, but I will not allow it to divide relationships. It's not something that is a primary issue. Jesus is always the primary issue. So you can have a different view from me, and I will still love you with the love of the Lord. And you might be right about other things. I just don't personally believe you're right about that. So I'm not trying to get into a whole argument. Please don't write me an email. I'm just challenging you. I'm challenging what you say you believe. I'm challenging the complexity of the theology and doctrine of man that has been put together with pre-tribulation rapture theology since the 1800s because nobody believes 
believed pre-tribulation rapture theology until the 1800s, I'm challenging you to look at the words of Jesus and what he said about it. This is one example. The other examples are Matthew 24. Couldn't be clearer. Anyway, I'll stop about that. We're talking about the parable of the weeds, the wheat and the tares, and Jesus made it clear that the wheat and the tares are going to grow together until the end of the age. And then all lawlessness, all sinners, all the weeds are going to be gathered out so that God can come and dwell with his people. That's what God has always wanted because God loves people. God just hates sin and he can't dwell where there is sin. So sin will be removed and God will be able to dwell with his people the way he always wanted. But the ones he will be dwelling with are the good seeds that have been sown by the Son of Man, the righteous ones the holy ones, those who have put their faith in Jesus and lived out his teachings, have received the word of God into their hearts and been transformed as children of God. And those are the righteous ones who will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 